This is part four of a series I have entitled, Keep It Real. Part four, if you haven't been here for the other three, don't worry about it. It's okay. We'll catch you up real quick. I promise it'll be fast, all right? But um, I'm calling it Keep It Real. It's a, a stewardship series, and I'm calling it Keep It Real because this is about as practical as you're ever going to uh, get in a message because as we know here at Grace Life Church, we have already been given everything we need for life and godliness. We already are blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Everything you need for complete success, everything you need to live out the life that you're created to live is already within you. That's what heaven on earth is about. Kingdom life on earth as it is in heaven. It's using what you've already been given by grace. But... It will not happen automatically. Wouldn't that be nice? You just gave it to, to us and, and everything just started to work out. But clearly that's not the case. And what we often do is we take the results that we're seeing out here and build a doctrine off of that. And then we get all this hokey stuff about who God is and that God uses pain to teach you something or, or lack to teach you something or sickness or, or fill in the blank about a bunch of negative stuff that happens to us. And we try to justify it in our minds, in our belief system, in our soul and say, God is behind the pain. God is behind that negative thing that's happened. But God's not behind the negative things that have happened to you. There's a thief out there that's come to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus came to give you life not just life, more abundantly. Life more abundantly. So the most basic way I can say it, and there, I mean, this is just the black and white way of saying it. There's more to it than this. But if it's, if it's bad, it's not from God. If it's good, it's from God. It's, I mean, it's, that's a simple way of putting it, okay? So God is not the bad guy. He's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. And when you wrap your mind around that, things start to change. And almost, you'll, you'll start to, to steward things differently. You'll start to realize that this life is a gift. Everything that we have is a gift. And what am I going to do with it now? Am I going to squander it? Am I going to bury it? Am I going to waste it? Am I going to allow the outside to affect the inside? Or am I going to allow the inside to affect the outside? And if we learn to live from the inside out, that's when everything changes. That's what stewardship is all about. The verse that we've been using for this series is 1 Peter 4.10. It says, each of you should use whatever gift you, past tense, have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. This gift, every, all the things that I just said, you have received it. You're not trying to become a certain person or, or trying to discover who you truly are. You're trying to uncover who you truly are. Just buried by a bunch of lies, a bunch of stuff that the world says, a bunch of circumstances that don't always go our way. And that's what kind of gets messed up a little bit with us sometimes because we think that whenever I become a believer and I'm a child of God, a new creation in Christ, now nothing bad's ever going to happen to me ever again. And everybody here knows that that's not the case. But for some reason, we get it in our minds that things are going to work out. And then when it doesn't work out, we start questioning God. And it's just this back and forth. And we have to realize that we've already been given a, uh, we've received a gift. We've been given this gift. What are we doing with it? 
And we got to quit becoming beat, or we got to quit being victims of our circumstances and realize that we are victors. We're coming from a place of victory. And so we handle those things that don't go our way with a whole new lens, a whole new outlook on life. It's exciting. That's when life gets really good. The definition of stewardship is protecting and expanding the assets of another. Protecting and expanding the assets of another. God has given you a gift. Now it's up to you to open the gift, protect it, and expand it. God said, be fruitful, multiply, subdue. And we talked about it earlier in this series. The word subdue means to dominate. Dominate. Don't be dominated by life. Don't be dominated by circumstances. Our job and the power that we possess should cause us to dominate life. And it starts with stewardship. Protect what you've been given and then expand it. Do these things and greater things, Jesus says. The only way we can even begin that process is by understanding what we're in possession of, who we are, whose we are. Yesterday I was on Facebook. <laughs> I never get on Facebook and I'm like, man, I'm glad I checked Facebook today. But I was on, I saw this silly meme and it was just how to name your podcast. So your mood right now, plus the last thing you ate, <laughs> equals the name of your podcast. So I, I just went through the comment section, and man, that was a very depressing place to be. I wrote down a few of them. The tired taquito. Unsettled chicken strips. Angry butternut squash soup. Stressed pepperoni, depressed potato soup, brain fog cheese, frustrated meatball, irritated beef tips, grieving chicken wing, irritable sticky rice. You know, I was going through, this is dumb, but I was going through these things and it was, I mean, those were just like, bam, 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 bam. I just copied and pasted really quick. It was easy to find all this negative stuff. Yeah, I actually had to scroll a little bit to find some more positive emotions that are, people are feeling right now. It's actually more normal to be negative in our society. It takes a little bit of work to work from the inside out, work out your salvation. So everybody, I mean, we're just so, I mean, there's, if, if I mean, it's, it's, it's easy to excuse it away because our world is a, it's a crazy place. Especially now. I don't know if it's crazier right now. We just know about it because of social media and stuff. But it's, it's, a, it's a crazy place. It's very easy to become irritable and stressed out and angry and depressed. That's normal. Mediocrity is normal. Complacency is normal. But it's our job to be different. We are a peculiar people. And the world will look at us like we're crazy when you start to get it. But suddenly, when you get it, the outside doesn't affect the inside anymore. It's, it is good because that's the importance of the gospel. The gospel is good news. There's a lot of bad news out there. But the, the very, if you break it down, the very definition of gospel, gospel, is good 
story or good news. And there's a lot to praise God about, even in the midst of the craziness. That's the gospel. The gospel is good news. I've heard it said that the gospel is so good that the bad news doesn't even matter anymore. <laughs> the gospel is good news and will only produce good news in your life. But, again, the truth of the gospel alone isn't what's going to produce the good news in your life. I mean, the truth is true whether you experience it or not. You can only experience the freedom that's provided through the gospel, through knowledge. It says in John 8, 32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. It's not the truth alone that sets you free. It's the knowledge of the truth that makes you free. So what you don't know can and often does hurt you. I've heard people say that you want to be careful about how much you know about God because then he's going to hold you accountable for more. That's kookiness. That's crazy. No, what you don't know can and often does or always does hurt us. We don't have to go there, but Hosea 4 says it is, or God's people are being destroyed for a lack of knowledge. What you don't know can hurt you. I could love my kids with everything in me, but if they don't know it or have convinced themselves that it's not true, they're not going to experience that love. So in this series, the stewardship series, this is, I've, I've tried to take a practical approach and in my own mind, it might be a little different order for some of you, but we've talked about just stewarding different things. And in my, a big excuse for people not starting something new or taking the time to grow in certain areas of their life is I don't have time. So we talked about that, took that off the table. We do have time. We have more time than we realize. We're just wasting it on other things. We're reading silly things on social media, we're watching a lot of TV, we're, we're vegging out, we're, we're just wasting our day. And, if, and we talked about just very practically, just write down everything that you've done that day. And some of us have more time than others, but if, if all you have is 30 minutes in that day, how are you spending that 30 minutes? Or get up a little bit early, stay up a little bit late, or just, just treat your time differently. Don't make excuses. If you're that upset with certain areas of your life, and I, and we gotta, I got to say that it doesn't necessarily mean, I'm not trying to say that your whole life is just a big mess. Some of you maybe, but there's certain aspects. Man, I really wish it, this area of my life was better. Okay, what are you doing to change it? Or are you just complaining about it? This is how I talk to myself. Are you, are you just complaining or are you doing something about it? Are you just presenting a problem or are you presenting a problem with a, a possible solution and then acting on it? That's stewardship. So then we, we talk about that. We talk about the, the stewarding our, our thoughts because our thoughts are very powerful. And once you just begin to tap into this, this, this grace of God, this gospel of grace, knowing 
how good God truly is and the power that you possess, when you know that everything you need is already on the inside of you, it starts to cause this unsettlement. And you're like, I got to do something, right? It causes something to, to take place on the inside of you. So I'm just trying to build this series in the way that I think. Uh, time's not, not the problem. I'm starting to renew, renew my mind to a few things. Now what? And now the foundation, this message today is something we've talked about a ton at Grace Life Church. But we're talking about stewarding love this morning. I have it on a sign out there. It says, Encounter Love and Grace. This is the message. This is the gospel, the love of God. I've heard people say, whenever or people here at the church have said, you know, uh, their friends will ask them about that church they go to. Say, do they, they preach the gospel or do they just talk about the love of God all the time? It's like, it's kind of the same the same thing. It's all, all of it. it the, the gospel is for God so loved the world. It starts there and then stewarding it. Protect that revelation. Protect that understanding. Protect that relationship and then expand it because this message, this gospel, this good news is not just a feel-good message. It is an experience to be had. It's not just something to get all pumped up on Sunday morning, but then there's real life on Monday. No, it will change your life. And it changes how you experience life. It changes how you look at everything. It changes everything. Now, it does, again, it doesn't mean that you're not going to experience bad things, but your response to those things will change. Our main focus is love. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13. Now abide in faith, hope, love. These three. But the greatest of these is love. And we like to, to spend time on certain topics. And it's, yes, it's good. It's good to talk about faith and hope and, and all of it. The greatest is love. So faith produces action. Faith changes how you go about life and all that. But Without love, it's nothing. And that's, I mean, earlier, this is 1 Corinthians 13. This is the love chapter. You could be doing all the right things, but without love, what's the point? You're a clanging symbol. Just empty words, vain repetitions. And there's real no, really no point to it. The greatest of these is love. The most, the single most important revelation any of us could have. That's why we talk about it so much. And if you're tired of hearing about it, you don't get it. We need to talk about it all the time. Because there is a world out there that's fighting against that. Telling you that you're not loved, that you're not accepted, that you're, there's something wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. You are a child of God, loved unconditionally by the Father, no strings attached. I don't care what you've done in your past. I don't care what you're going through right now. I don't care about whatever mess you've created in your life. Where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. You can't mess up so bad that God's done with you. I got one amen. That should be like, yay. I was just at the Packer game last week, and we were shouting. We should be shouting. This is better than that dumb game. <laughs> I'm not letting that affect my inside, by the way. <laughs> if you've been, or I'm sorry, 
if you, you might know or you have grasped that understanding that I am loved, God loves me, but then where the rubber meets the road, are we really acting as if that's the case? Are you protecting that understanding, expanding that understanding? It's never-ending. There's that, that in, in Revelation, there's that, that creature, that angel that's flying around the, the throne of God, has always done it, will always do it for all of eternity, covered in eyes. Y'all heard of this? Just covered in eyeballs. What are eyes created to do? Yeah, see. And, and so it's going around. And every time it goes around, it says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And it's just constantly for all of eternity saw something, a side of God that it's never seen before. And forever it always will. And it's so excited that it's praising God at whatever it's seeing next. So to think that we can grasp the length, the width, the depth, the height of the love of God here Ha! <laughs> we just can't. We should never be tired of talking about this. This is, should be the number one topic that we talk about. This is the gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave everything. And it should change how you see yourself. It changes how you see others. It changes how you see the world. It changes everything. So yes, this is a feel-good message. But it doesn't stop with just a good feeling. I feel good. I used to, it used to make me feel uncomfortable, to be honest with you, because I'm, I'm a tough, manly man, obviously. And thank you, Tim. Everyone else laughed. But I thought of love is like rainbows and skipping through meadows and teddy bears. I'm like, no, oh, that's girly stuff. I'm a man. But a man, love is... Laying one's life down for their friend. Love is sacrificial. It's selfless. It's the most powerful power in the universe. And it'll change everything. And it's hard for us to wrap our mind around sometimes because the church has been programmed to think, whether it's directly said or it's just you walk away with a feeling, that it's not about God's love for you, it's your love for God. So you need to give more. You need to serve more. You need to do more. You need to read your Bible more, pray more, spend time with God more, 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 more. And we're just constantly in pursuit of becoming something, becoming who we think we're supposed to be or who God wants us to be. But the, the reality is we're never going to reach that. It's that, that carrot dangling in front of us. And we're always trying to be better, do better, get more. And you're never going to get there. But the, again, the gospel, the good news of the gospel has nothing to do with that. It's not based on a list of rules. It's not based on a list of commands. It's not based on your performance. It's not based on anything you can do ever at all. Ever, never, ever, ever. Nothing we're talking about, even the stewardship, it's taking what God's given you and stewarding it, protecting it, expanding it, dominating life. That doesn't change how God feels about you. You could squander all of it. He still loves you. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with you experiencing that love. The work is finished. Long time ago, 2,000 years ago. 
but what are you doing with it? It's like, I mean, the example I use a lot is if I wrote you a check for a million dollars, put it in an envelope and handed it to you, said, you're blessed, go on your way, and you take it, you throw it in your glove box or in your purse or wherever, and you never cash the, the check. I still gave it to you, you're still in possession of it, but you're never going to reap the benefits of it if you don't cash it, if you don't put your hand to it and do something with it. 1 John 4, verse 10. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. If I got up here and said, your focus should not be on loving God. Y'all be like, get your purse. We're leaving this, this heretical Wolf in sheep's clothing. I've been called a bunch of names. But if I said it, if I just said, I don't want you to focus on loving God. That's not your number one priority. It is not to love God. But on the fact that he loved you and sent his son to be a propitiation for your sins. It changes things. Our focus is not how can I love God more? How can I do more. And we always want to, we're not going to go there now because this will be a four-hour message. But uh, we, we want to say, well, in our only two commands, it's Matthew 22, to, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Isn't that the two great commands that we are left with? Well, if we read one verse after that, he says, this sums up the law and the prophets. This, on this hang the law and the prophets. Well, guess what? We're not under the law and the prophets. We're under a new covenant of grace. That was for a certain people at a certain time. But if you think about it, I want you to love God with all your heart. Not just say it, do it. All your heart. That means don't love your kids. Don't give a piece of your heart to anything else. I want you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, everything within you. You got to love God with all of it with all your mind, with all your strength. You can't do it. It's impossible. Which was the point of the law? Is a standard that was set that was impossible. And the only way that it could be fulfilled was through a Savior. And the Savior's come, and what he did through his death, burial, and resurrection made a difference. We got to quit putting all this pressure on ourselves to act a certain way and do certain things and love God with everything and shift that same passion, that same focus on the fact that he loves you and that he's backed it up. He didn't just say it. It just doesn't make you feel good. He's done everything on your behalf. So now we are left with this new commandment. We put John 13, 34 up there. John 13, 34, a new commandment, not another commandment, not the 11th commandment, not the third great commandment, but a brand new commandment I give to you that you love one another. And we will stop there. Sometimes you say, all right, now I got to love people. So my shift, I shift my focus from loving God. Now I got to love people, but uh, it doesn't stop there either. Love one another, how? As I've loved you. Oh, so again, my focus isn't on what I'm supposed to do. It's on what he's done and how he feels about me. And then a result of that is, without even trying, this effortless change starts to take place on the inside of me, and I just start to love people. 
the people that, that you're, those sandpaper people that rub you the wrong way, they get under your skin, and they might, from the outside, they look like the worst, and maybe I'd agree with you. But you'll start to look at them, you'll see their gift, you'll see their purpose, you'll see, see them the way that God created them. And the only reason, or you'll realize that the only reason they're acting the way that they're acting and treating you the way they're treating you is because they don't know what you know. So what do we do? We help them pull this from the inside out. Let me love them. Me hating on them and talking about them behind their back and judging them and criticizing every little move they make, that's not doing anything. Let me love them and help them realize what I've realized, and then things will start to change in their life as well. That's evangelism. Not changing people, loving people. Our job as a church, we, we adopt the role of the Holy Spirit a lot of times, and we say, you know, we got to get the, the fish. Let's go catch the fish. And that's great. We all are all here. Come as you are. Come as you are. We're a chill church. We're cool. Pastor's got tattoos. Manly pastor with tattoos. And he, he, they don't wear ties in that church. I've been called out on social media a lot for these things, so... Anyway, uh, then so we catch the fish. Come as you are. Yeah, but now they're here. Now what? Well, now we got to clean the fish. Wrong. Wrong, wrong. That is not your job to clean the fish. It is not your job to change people. It is your job to love them. Let the Holy Spirit do his job. I went down a way, way, way different path, but... I like to look at how science backs up what this says, what this Bible here says. And this stuff's been in here for thousands of years, and science is catching up to it. It's amazing. But science says that love is the most powerful drug in the universe. They say, that, or I mean, you've heard people say when, when they fall in love, they describe it as intoxicating. Never heard that? Something physically changes in you, in your brain, when you fall in love. We often relate love to the heart, but some, uh, something physically changes in your brain when you experience love. And there's many studies done on this, but the brain of someone in love looks very similar to someone on cocaine. Cocaine acts on the pleasure sensors of the brain by lowering the threshold in which they fire. That means that you feel really good a lot easier. And that's what love does. So people, Ryan and I were talking about this earlier, how, how we're, people that are addicted to drugs and they're seeking this feeling, an escape from the world, just trying to find pleasure out there. Well, God's given you the power to do that. You have to know that it's within, that you are loved. And when you focus on that love for you, you'll start to see the world differently and you'll start to see the same effects. There's no high like the most high. Amen. <laughs> Cocaine just mimics what love does in a much more, uh, it, it, but love does it in a much more powerful way. The drugs are temporary. This love is permanent. And when you abide in that love, 
when you are rooted and grounded in that love, the fruit will start to change. Whatever you're rooted in, that's what's gonna grow. So if all you're seeing is a bunch of nasty fruit in your life, you're not rooted and grounded in the love of God. And it's not just that the love makes you feel good, it's the fact that anything you now experience will more easily set off the pleasure centers in your brain and make you feel good. So now it's not just the love for that person that makes you feel good, but everything in your life becomes more pleasurable. The grass is greener, the sky is bluer, you start to hear the birds chirping. I mean, when you're in love, you look at the world differently. Whenever you're irritable, when you're depressed, when you're angry, when you're critical and judgmental and just negative, that's all you see out there. And you see all the bad drivers and the people playing on their phones and the, the weather. It's either too cold or it's too hot. Or I mean, y'all promised last year after that vortex you wouldn't complain about the cold any, or the, the heat. And then last summer, that's all you complained about was the heat. Make up your minds. But whenever you start, when, you, when you're in love, it's like you have this romanticized view of the world. And that's what happens with this relationship. When you steward love, when you steward this relationship. So we talk about, or I've talked a lot about, how God's not looking to be number one on your list of priorities. So a lot of times what we do is we say, all right, I got to get out my schedule because Clint taught us how to time block and, and manage our time better in this amazing stewardship series. So I'm going to get down, get out my phone, and I'm going to say, all right, I get up at 6 a.m., and, and so from six to seven, I'm going to spend time with the Lord and I'm going to read and it's going to be awesome. And then my alarm's going to go off and I'm going to shut that and I'm going to go about my day and forget everything that I've, I just did, whether it's read or pray or whatever it might be. And then it's, it's just not the right way of handling things. God doesn't want to be number one on your list of priorities. He wants to be one in everything that you do, involving him in every aspect of your life. That's what we need. We are, so Christ is the head, and we're the body. A head can't function, it can't move without a body, but a body can't survive without a head. And when we realize that, and we get that picture in our mind that, that I'm, I'm carrying Jesus everywhere that I go, and he's with me, whether I acknowledge it or not, maybe I should start acknowledging him. And I started to do that, and suddenly all the things that used to rub me the wrong way and make me mad and tick me off, now suddenly it just doesn't have that same effect on me anymore. And so I, I'm, I'm, it, it, don't, I say it all the time, don't make God number one on your list of priorities. Make him one in everything that you do. But sometimes what people do, they hear that, and they think, great. Now I can sleep in till seven, because now I don't have to get up and do that. And any relationship that's going to thrive deserves intentional time. So I'm not saying don't do this for an hour in the morning or whatever you decide to do, however you decide to do it. I'm saying don't leave it there. Okay? And trust me, I have... I've, I've gotten caught up in that. It's like, well, I praise God all day long, all day, every day, just praising God. But that's not enough. 
I need to, if, I'm, if my job is to steward this, to protect it and expand it, the only way that I can expand it is to continue to grow in it, to know more about who he is, and then take that new knowledge with me everywhere that I go. So this isn't me saying, oh, don't read your Bible, don't spend time with God, don't spend intentional time with God where you're shutting out everything. You put your phone in the other room and you, you just get up before the kids get up or whatever it is you need to do. Say so You need to do those things, but don't leave it there. Let me get back to the science part of it. But when you fall in love, your body releases dopamine, which also enhances memory. And learning becomes easier when you're in love. A, a, a child who is who's just even a little baby who is, is just loved by the mother, it changes their brain physically. And it helps them become better learners as they grow. And your memory improves. I mean, some of you, I can remember the first time I ever saw Laura. I'm pretty romantic. And I'm not at all. But I... <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, okay. But um, I was, I, I, I can picture it in my mind. And I just met her outside the barracks, Fort Riley. We all go by our last name. She was Trelore. I was Zeller. But she's like, hey, I'm Laura. I'm like, Laura? It's like the cool kid. Y'all might not understand that, but if you go by your first name in the military, it's like, oh, okay. Okay, she's a cool girl. Uh, anyway, it doesn't, none of that matters. I, I remember it, though. I remember it. That's the point. Love is the most powerful drug in the universe. And knowing that you're always loved, have always been loved, always will be loved, will change your entire outlook on life. So it doesn't just change you, it changes how you view the world. So, while performance doesn't cause God to love you, you can look at your performance to see if you truly get it. So performance doesn't change anything about God, but you can look at it as a gauge of where I am. Where am I in this relationship? How do I know if I'm really grasping it? Is it, is it sunk down from my head into my heart? Do I really, truly understand it? Look out here. I mean, uh, this last week, I, we went to uh, Green Bay to see, I mean, this, this, this was gifted to us. It's like this big deal, this trip. It's like $6,000. It's amazing. And uh, I was like, whew, because I've always wanted to go to Lambeau Field. Oh, it was like a bucket list. I've been a lifelong Green Bay Packer fan through thick and thin and all the playoff losses and everything. And I, so I get up there. I'm so excited. We, we fly from Houston to Dallas. It's three hours, three and a half hour drive from my house. Well, eight hours later, still in Dallas because we got on a plane and we sat on that plane for two hours before they said, get off the plane and then uh, we're gonna get you a new plane. Well, that was trickery to get us off the plane. I know it, they weren't being truthful. And so we got off and immediately they said, your flight's been canceled, but there's another flight to Milwaukee like a quarter mile through Dallas DFW airport. So she wasn't even done saying anything. I took off sprinting. I knew I'd been running for a reason, and it, it was pre preparation for this trip. And so I ran down there. I was able to get a flight, sat on that plane for another hour. They said, we're working on some technical difficulties. I'm like, 
Lord. Okay. So, thankfully, they, they said, prepare for takeoff. And the whole plane just, like, cheered because most of us were from that other flight. And so that was good. Then we get to uh, Milwaukee. Well, we had this plane or this car rented in Milwaukee, but the place closed at 8. Well, now it's 2 a.m. And I'm like, oh, oh, bummer. And so we call them, and, and they said, don't worry. Your car will be here in the morning. We'll keep it for you. I said, all right. Praise the Lord. Favor ain't fair. And so we, we stop in Milwaukee. We're supposed to be in Green Bay by like 7. It's 2 a.m. We're still in Milwaukee. Get a cheap hotel somewhere. Then get up early. We got like four hours of sleep. Go to the, the car rental place. Excited. Excited for that day because that night we're going to go see playoff game. Green Bay Packers Lambeau Field. Historical Lambeau Field. And so go up there and she's like, uh, No. I don't have your car for you. Look at talking to me like I'm an idiot. And and I was like, okay, well, what? And she said, we don't even have cars for people like anybody. Nobody has cars. I'm like, aren't you a car rental place? What do you have? And so I just said, all right, you know, and I went to the next one. Thankfully, they had one van left. Favor. And, and so we had to wait like 45 minutes for this other this van, and we were able to to drive up to, to Green Bay. And in hindsight, like, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that I was just like, hey, praise the Lord through that whole situation. But then in hindsight, I'm like, man, five, six years ago, we probably would, our marriage probably would have failed on this trip. Like, we probably would have. So I'm counting this as a win. I didn't, it wasn't perfect. <laughs> and, and then on the way back, we're driving and it had just snowed. Perfect. Perfect game. It was cold. This is what you want in a green baby. Some people, they don't, you don't get it. Debbie, you don't get it. She's commenting on my stuff like, you're stupid. And I'm like, Debbie, no. And that's not what you said, but that's what I read between the lines. So I, <laughs> and so we're sitting in, it's like minus six degrees at the game and, and we're, we're cold and, and, all this, oh, and we got our bag and it's or our suitcase. Thank, somehow, that was a miracle. It was like busted down the side. They broke our suitcase. It was one of the hard shell ones. And Anyway, so we got our, all our cold weather gear on and it's snowing. Because at Green Bay, Wisconsin, playoffs, you want it to be cold. You want it to be snowing because nobody can beat them in that weather. So then they lost the game. 13-10. Aaron Rodgers, best quarterback in the history of the league. Did nothing. And, and so I'm standing, and it's just like, huh. So then the next morning we go, and we, we're driving back to Milwaukee. You got this rental van, but it just snowed all night, and slush is like hitting the windshield, hitting the windshield. And I'm like, well, ain't no thing. Hit the wipers. Well, that's frozen. The, the, the washer stuff's frozen. So those things are smearing slush and mud all over, and I can't see. I have to pull over like four or five different times just to wipe the windshield off. And I got to be honest, I wasn't just like, praise the Lord. <laughs> but we're still married, guys. And <laughs> I, gotta, I, will, I am very proud of how, how we handled this situation. And it's, it's, it's the love of God, I'm telling you. 
it sounds silly and all that, but it's, uh, it changes. I mean, I used to be a very angry person. Some of you think I'm angry now. You should have seen me. It was crazy. It was crazy. So you look at how you respond to things, and you say, I think I'm getting it. I'm not perfect. I haven't arrived, but I've left. Then you look at, how do I look at myself? Because in, in 1 John 4, it says, we love, I put, that's on there, 1 John 4, 19. We love him because he first loved us. So when I say don't love, don't focus on loving God, it doesn't mean don't love God, just go out there and hate God. I mean, I, I think that's clear, but if, in case anybody was wondering, I'm not telling you not to love God. I'm saying your focus isn't on your love for God. It's we love him because he first loved us. Focus on his love for you, and then you will start to love him back. But the interesting thing with this is in many of your Bibles, him is in italics. And the italics mean it wasn't in the original language. So what this verse actually says is we love because he first loved us. So when you get that, something changes. You start to love God. You start to love yourself. Religion will teach you that you're not supposed to love yourself, that you're supposed to be just a lowly stench in the nostrils of God, uh, just picking up, hopefully you can get some crumbs underneath the table, but grace says that you have a seat at the table. Pull up a chair. You are loved, and you got to start to see yourself as someone deserving of that, someone that deserves to not be dominated by life, but to actually experience something. And even in a crazy situation, you can still experience favor. We still made the game. I still got to mark that off the, the bucket list. I could have got let my emotions get out of hand. I could have cussed out the lady at the counter. I could have just stormed away, and I could have missed out on a great opportunity. But I chose to find or to see and look for favor in a bad situation. We love because He first loved us. So we love God. We love ourselves, and we start to love the world the way that God loves the world. So if you want to know if you get it, how do you treat yourself? How do you look at yourself? Do you beat yourself up for every little mistake that you've made? I do. People can come against me all the live long day, but there's nothing you can say that I haven't said worse to myself. It's this, this, some, some people, when it comes to their self-talk, we got to bring them down to planet Earth because you think a little too much of yourself. But then uh, there's people like me. It's like, all right, you got to see yourself the way that God sees you. Quit beating yourself up over every little thing. Because there's pride on both ends. Pride is that hyperactive ego. That's how most people think of pride. But pride is also down here because in both cases, you care more about how you're perceived by the world. Does that make sense? So humility is finding that, that sweet spot right in the middle. Don't, don't see yourself way down here. Don't see yourself way up here. Just say, I am made in the image of God. Powerful. I have the power that raised Christ from the dead on the inside of me, and that's who I am. Then you'll stop beating yourself up quickly. I'm trying to fly through this last bit here because I promise we're almost done. But 1 John 3 says, 1 John 3, uh, 20, For if our hearts condemn us, condemnation does not come from God. Don't go there, but Romans 8, 1 says there's now no 
condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. John 3.17 says that Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, but through him the world might be saved. There's no condemnation that comes from God. But you will experience condemnation where? In your own heart. So if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. So this, this, you'll quit beating yourself up and say, ain't no thing. Just keep on keeping on. It's like, yes, I messed up, but he's not holding it against me. I'm going to quit holding it against me. Don't ignore the problem. Go apologize or do, fix, fix it, but don't come from a place of condemnation. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do thing, those things that are pleasing in his sight. A lot of people will stop right there and say, I thought you just said we don't have to keep his commandments. I thought you said that this relationship isn't about rules and commandments. Well, let's read the next verse. How about that? Verse 23, and this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave his commandment. This is the gospel. This good news is so easy, a caveman could do it. So you'll stop beating yourself up over everything. God's not beating you up. Quit beating yourself up. So that's first step. Do I know it? How do you see yourself? Second, how do you treat people? How you treat people is a direct reflection of your relationship with God. Are you critical? Are you judgmental? Are you mean? Church people are known to be some of the most... uh, divisive, critical people out there. Not Grace Life Church people, praise the Lord. But generally speaking, this is how we're presenting ourselves to the world. This, this, this belief system, this relationship that's supposed to produce love and acceptance, not, not a compromise what you believe, but again, it's not your job to change people. So, so it's this, this relationship that's supposed to produce love and we're presenting ourselves to the world as hateful, mean, commenting, social media people, don't like how I dress. First John 4:20. If someone says, "I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar." <laughs> that is like knock you upside the head right there. Oh, yeah, I love God. I go to church. <laughs> Get on the old keyboard or cr- criticize everything or, or call out ministers by name or other people and, and just like, you got to change. And, and we don't like this group of people or this people, these people here that voted this way or, or any of that, all this divisiveness. Guess what? You don't know God. You're a liar. I didn't say it. This, this disciple whom Jesus loved said it. John, for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. You want to know if you get it, how are you treating people? Not, and, and maybe you got it yesterday, and maybe you're cool. Maybe you leave here after hearing such amazing, amazing message, amazing worship. I'm just joking, folks, all right? But... I'm, uh, all right. 
shouldn't have said it. But anyway, you might leave here and you're all pumped up. But then your alarm clock goes off tomorrow morning. You got to go to work or tonight or whenever y'all work. And it's like, now here's real life. And that boss man's keeping me down. And, and politics and, and all this stuff and just people, hateful people in the world. How do you respond to that? So maybe you know it today, but do you know it tomorrow? Do you keep this at the forefront of your mind? Are you continuously rooted and grounded in the love of God? Are you stewarding love? Are you protecting it? Are you expanding it so the world can see it? So we can spread this kingdom on this planet. Because yes, we are called to live heaven on earth. Kingdom living on earth as it is in heaven. But it's not meant for just you. And when you get it, your world will change, and then the people around you, their worlds will change. And at first, they won't even know why it's changing. It'll just be because you're in their life. And then it slowly starts to grow, and that, that seed becomes more. Steward love. When we think of stewardship, we think of the, the material things. We think of stewarding finances and stewarding this temple and stewarding our possessions. How about we steward our thoughts? How about we steward this relationship that is a gift. It's more powerful than any drug on this planet. That's the gospel. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for your grace, your love, your, man, just everything that you've done. Thank you that the pressure is off of us to be, to do, to become, that we can rest in what you've done, in your love for us. And I just speak that over everyone this morning. God is so madly in love with you. He's never been mad at you a day in your life. You are his child, and he wants you to prosper. He wants you to be in good health, to experience all the peace, love, and joy that this life has to offer. Lord, we're done living from the outside in. We're living from the inside out. We're working out the salvation with fear and trembling, with excitement. The best is yet to come for the people of Grace Life Church, and I can't wait to see what happens. So, Lord, we just praise you this morning. We thank you for who you are and that you don't just love us, but you've shown us that love. You've done it all for us. So we're putting our faith in that this morning, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's all stand up. Let's worship together. Y'all show up here Wednesday night, 630. Uh, also, don't forget about Lindsay's uh, single release on February 19th. And if you need prayer, Mr. Tim is back there. He would love to stand in agreement with you. Miracles happen when Tim prays for you. So go back there. But let's worship.